Good morning, everybody. We're uh, John and Crystal Castle, and you probably, you, I'm sure you know that by now. Um, I, you know, before we get started, I just, I really want to give a shout out to our band. That was an amazing song, and those guys just did such an amazing job of performing it. We're just so blessed to have you guys here. So, we are in a series about dynamic family, and in this series, we are walking through the six relational principles that are given to us in the New Testament. And they're called the one another passages. And so what are the principles that we can practice that really help to, to solidify relationships, to make them more genuine, to make them more authentic, and to really reflect, reflect the love of Jesus to the world? And so we started out the series by establishing the fact that God really is the author of relationships. He's the author of love and unity because he exists as, uh, as a trinity. You know, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Son came down to the earth in the form, in, uh, you know, as Jesus, and he taught us, he showed us how to love one another. And he gave us the new law, which is to love God and to love one another. And then he performed the ultimate act of sacrifice, right? When he died on the cross for our sins. And then because of that, when we choose to accept that gift of forgiveness, and that gift of sacrifice to count for our sins, then God, God the Father, reconciles our relationship back to him. We come back into relationship with him. And not only that, but he sees us as perfect as holy, as blameless people for our sin. He also then goes further, and he adopts us into his family at that point. And not only adopts us into, excuse me, into his family, he makes us heirs to our inheritance, which is everlasting life with him forever and ever. And, um, and then he infuses us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then enables us, inspires us, and um, encourages us to, to live out these principles of the one another passages. And so you see how all three of those different dynamics work together. And last week, uh, Tom talked about the principle of serving one another. And Jeff and Linda Haynes did um, just an amazing job uh, in their video of talking about how this attitude of servitude is uh, a way that we love one another. And the person who is the recipient of that servitude is blessed through that. And, uh, and that's a way of experiencing God's blessing through one another, through the mouthpiece of one another. And then that the person who actually does the serving is fulfilled. And so uh, it's, it's just, a, uh, it's just a, an amazing teaching last week from Tom. And so this week, we are talking about encouragement. And so it's the giving and receiving of encouragement. How do we do that with one another? Yes. And Dan, you did a perfect job setting us up. Um, oh, do I not have it on? It's on. Can you guys hear me? There we go. Yes. Um, he did a perfect job. Exactly what we're going to talk about today. He actually practically did the teaching for us. It was good. Um, you know, something we don't consider, like Dan was saying, often we don't consider encouragement. When we see people and we talk about dynamic families, 
uh, or relationship and families, it's usually around conflict, it's usually around communication, and often what's lacking is the encouragement. So our first video, we're gonna show you guys a little, some of our LCCers here and what they think encouragement means. What does encouragement mean to you? Don't take the microphone. Okay, um, it means supporting, cheering people on um, in the good times and the bad times. All right, great. <laughs> Sir, what does encouragement mean to you? Man. Uh, speaking to the other person like you truly want to see them be successful. All right, beautiful. Sir? What does encouragement mean to you? So it would be when, when someone comes up and just you know, lets you know that uh, they think you're doing a good job or they, they think that you're um, a good friend. Just like kind words. I'm going to go with that. All right. Whoa. Okay. Hey, sir. What does encouragement mean to you? Encouragement means uh, to foster uh, trust with another person by letting them know that you appreciate them and that uh, what they're doing is right and they're moving in the right direction. Right, thank you. Thank you so much. Encouragement? Encouragement, I guess, would be someone telling me what I need to hear when I need to hear it in terms of, especially comes like after a failure, I guess, if I'm struggling with something or... All right, that's good. Talk too long, Kip. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta move on. Encouragement means my life. Oh no, I'm gonna have to think about that. Encouragement, uh, you know, when when you're down, when you're not doing well, um, when you need to remember what's true, kind of, it's just the people around you come to you and remind you, basically. Is what All right, that's great. What does it mean to encourage someone? Um, to like. Beautiful. Sir, yes. what does it mean to encourage someone? Uh, prop them up when they need propped up. Like, there's a lot of reasons to encourage somebody. They might just be having a bad day. Sometimes it's good to just give them perspective, like this too shall pass. Hello. Hello. Uh, what does it mean to be encouraging to someone? Oh, that's a good word. Um, but I think encouraging, I think get in the same boat with them and take a paddle, take an oar. Beautiful. Just go with them. That's awesome. Thank you. That is great. That is great. Isn't it interesting how different people just have a different viewpoint on what encouragement means? And so the, the New Testament word for encouragement is parakaleo, and it's used 110 times in the New Testament. And so it has a very, it's a broad term, it has a lot of different meanings. Uh, it can mean to, just like you heard in the video, it can mean to come alongside somebody. It can mean to give somebody support and uh, confidence or encouragement. Um, it can mean to address somebody or to speak to them or give them instruction. Uh, and it can stand for praise, you know, to give uh, somebody uh, recognition. And then finally, to comfort. So we saw this you know, these, these broad definitions come through this video. And, you know, it's interesting that some people are just gifted in encouragement. Um, so, for example, you know, our friend Bob. Many of you knew Bob Yulian. Um, Bob was one of those people who, and if I, if I think about, okay, who was my 
most prominent encourager. Um, he comes to mind. And so he would call me just out of the blue. I used to travel for sales, and so my phone would ring while I was on the road, and he would just call me and say, hey, you know, how's John? And as hard as I tried to turn it back around to him, he was a master at, um, I guess he's a, he was a counselor, so, and um, he and Linda were both that way. And so you always look forward to talking to Bob, and, um, and you always finish that conversation feeling better than you did before he called. Yeah, so. no doubt about it. Yeah, he did the same thing for me when I think about just where I'm at today. Uh, I just remember there being a time that I did not believe in myself, and he was the constant encourager, and he gave me hope when I had none. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So Krista is gifted in encouragement. So um, I am gifted in criticism. So... Um, <laughs> I'm kind of like Dan Nellis, and Dan described me. I felt like, oh, you're, you're, this is my life. And, um, you know, our son would, would mow the grass, and he would do 90% of it perfectly. And Krista would say, hey, buddy, good job, and everything looks awesome, and thanks. And, you know, my response was more like, hey, it looks really good, you know, and um, I just, the, the, the yard's good, the trimming's good and everything. Um, there is some grass left on the sidewalk. You just need to kind of blow that off a little bit. And, um, and our kids, some of the feedback that they've got is that, or that I've gotten from them is that, you know, I say nice things to them, but there's always that one thing that I have to point out. And it kind of hurt my feelings when I heard that. But so it doesn't, the point is, it doesn't come easy to all of us, but it is something that God calls us to actively participate in. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And 1 Thessalonians says, Encourage each other and build each other up. So this is actually a directive. It's a calling for us to be, uh, to be active in encouraging one another. And actually, you know, the Hebrews passage says, Spend time thinking about it. You know, make this a priority. And... Um, so, uh, and it's hard when we're caught up in our, in our own agenda. It's really uh, hard to step back and think, what can I do to, uh, to build this other person up? And so, uh, and, but for those of us who do struggle with it, um, uh, Jesus promised us that God would send us a helper. And in John, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And so... Now we're going to talk about uh, some of the ways that we can encourage one another. Okay, so picking up from where we were at a couple weeks ago, we left you guys with a question of comfort. And hopefully you guys talked about it with your families. Hopefully you asked your children. And so I'm going to continue on with a little bit more information around the idea of comfort or encouragement with some of our tendencies and like Dan said, it was just perfect. I mean, there are some people where it just does not come natural to be an encourager. And so depending on my tendencies, I'm going to have a tendency that I'm going to put right down to my children. And we have imprints from our parents. And I don't know, you know, Dan's family, but more than likely, if I come from a family that I did not receive comfort or encouragement, I don't have a picture really of what that looks like. And so it's very difficult then to be in a marriage and naturally know how to encourage my wife or naturally know how to encourage my children 
or I might come from a family that uh, there was a lot of anxiety going on in my family and not a lot of comfort, and so I might have kind of an anxious core. And so we've got some of these tendencies that can take place, and unless I kind of understand really that significant question, what did I experience growing up, it's going to tell you what you take into your life pretty much today unless you've been trained. And I will tell you, there are some families that come from excellent, secure attachment. And I've met many of them in my practice. Well, no, I did not meet many of them in my practice. I've met actually very few in my practice. <laughs> but some of us do come from a secure attachment. And so we get to have secure connection with our family. And then we end up knowing what it looks like to comfort one another, comfort our, our children, et cetera. Um, and so I guess really for me, I just wanted to, around that question of comfort is to encourage y'all that don't do it naturally is that we are called, I mean, there's no doubt the truth of the word is that we are, what is it, 101 times we're called to encourage one another. So if it's something that you acknowledge that you don't know how to do, the best thing I would say to you is ask somebody, learn how to do it. But there's that grace and understanding that for some, it's something that has to be learned, it just doesn't come natural. And so with parents, with our brothers and sisters, with my spouse, I think that's where you gotta give grace and not have expectations. Um, for me, it made me anxious, you know? So I went around and I, you know, like I was talking about last time, I'm, I'm feeding John while he has no idea what's happening. But for some people, it can create a lot of anger toward their spouse or anger toward their parent if they're not getting the kind of comfort and encouragement they need. And so I think just being able to acknowledge for some people that doesn't come naturally, and it's more about maybe having a discussion around that and what that can look like to change. And we'll touch a little bit on that today. So I love this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And um, I know that sounds so kind of redundant, but, you know, the point here, it's a beautiful passage, and what it means is that, you know, if we're receiving God's comfort, and if we're, we're asking for God's comfort, then that empowers us then to give that comfort to others, which, which causes then a chain reaction. And, uh, by it, it, and so we can't underestimate the impact that we can have on other people when we consider how we can comfort them and stimulate them to love and good deeds. So, The next form that we want to talk about of encouragement is affirming somebody's potential. So maybe you, um, well, this is a situation where um, you see something in somebody. You see a gift or you see an ability or you see a talent and you call that out and you tell them, you know, this is, I just want you to know that I see something in you. I, I see this ability to play music. I see the ability that you're good with numbers. Um, you know, you have this gift of hospitality um, and, and letting them know. And, you know, one of the best examples that we have of this in the New Testament is when Jesus met Simon. So it says, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And this is easy to read over, but 
what you need to understand about this is the name Simon stands for, the word is vacillator. So he's somebody that's kind of unpredictable and unsteady. You know, this is that that ADHD person that you know, you know, and, and uh, he speaks before he thinks. And then here's Jesus saying, when he first meets him, saying, no, your name is going to change, and your name is changing. I'm renaming you right now. And the word Cephas stands for rock. And so Jesus says, I, you are the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. And that's just so significant. Barnabas, um, his name was Joseph. And um, when he, he sold his land, and he gave it to the church. And so when that happened, the apostles renamed him Barnabas, which literally means encourager. So okay. it's interesting. Yes. Okay, so when it comes to families, you know, I'm going to share with you some of the observations that I've made. And we have some of our own funny stories, and I just want to reiterate. You know, I'm up here, John and I are up here to share knowledge with you guys, stuff that we've learned that's helped us. But we have made plenty, plenty of our own mistakes, and especially the ones um, that I'm going to be talking to you guys about. So, you know, I was talking last time about how often I see a lack of difference between the church and the world. I said it wrong last time, I think. Um, and in this area of, you know, affirming, affirming. So, parents, I'm just, I'm going to talk to you here a minute. So, this is an area that I think we can look a lot like the world when it comes to the things that I affirm in my children. And you, you, you youngsters, you can tell your parents if they're doing this or not. And not all parents do this. But typically when I'm affirming my kids and I'm noticing them and I want to encourage them, I'm noticing things like their grades. I'm praising their grades. I'm really into that. I'm praising the fact that they get on the basketball team or the volleyball team. Uh, you know, the activities that they're involved in. And when I get parents that come to me, the biggest complaint, one of the biggest complaints that they all have is, oh, my God, their grades are going down to C's and D's, and I would, now they don't want to play in the volleyball or just that type of stuff. And, again, I meet with mostly Christians. So it's kind of funny. I, I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say, gosh, I am so disappointed. I don't notice my kids displaying an attitude of love toward their brothers and sisters or love toward mom and dad or love toward their neighbor or their friends. And so I think those are just some areas that, um, you know, we're here to encourage y'all. Uh, we got to, yeah, like I said, well, we weren't great at it. Well, yeah, and, and that's a great point. You know, we're not presenting this series like we're coming down from on high, like we've got it all figured out. We've, we've yeah. actually learned, you know, tried to learn. Sometimes I feel like it's good that my kids <laughs> grew up and got out of the house before I, I messed them up too bad. But, um, you know, like our daughter, we spent, um, our daughter was a volleyball player, and we spent, what, four years in club ball, and um, she was excelling. She was doing really well. She made the JV team as a freshman. She made the varsity team as a, as a, um, um, what comes after freshman, sophomore. And, um, I was thinking about it. Yeah, and then she quit. She came to me one day and she said, I want to quit. And the first thing that went through my head was, well, not the first thing. I was disappointed. I was deeply disappointed. And I, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm living my life vicariously through her athletic success. 
And, uh, and the reason why she wanted to quit was because she wanted to be able to focus more on her, um, on her church group. And so instead of encouraging her about that and showing her how grateful I am for that, I was really um, kind of grieving the fact that we weren't going to go to any more volleyball games because I loved it. Yeah. You know? So you have an example also. I do. I don't. <laughs> I'm just I'm positive. Laughing. Well, you know, I'm just kind of yeah. laughing though. Just to, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying because I was the same way. I mean, it was such a cool thing. What she wanted to do was yeah. get more involved in the church, and we're we're both grieving. Um, oh, 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 okay. Here, I'll look at my nose. <laughs> so spitball in here. I had a friend tell me yeah. last time she saw me, I seemed a little distracted. I, I'm laughing. I can be a little bit like Peter with a little. <laughs> anyway, so yes, I do have a good example, um, and I do just want to be encouraging. You know, I look around this room and especially over in this corner I see some parents that just do an excellent job I know they do you know I talk to their kids or I see their kids and you just know that there's some real good secure connectors here but I did have a client that I was doing pre-marriage <laughs> pre-marriage counseling and it's so rare that I see a 22 year old they're both 22 that were just so in love with God. I just, the whole time, it's like this 10-week program we were doing, and the whole time, I was just so amazed at how much their goal in life was to be, you know, securely connected to each other, serve the Lord, have ministry at 22. Mm -hmm. And it almost saddened me because I just, I don't know, you just kind of look back and you go, wow, what, what didn't I do? I wish I'd have done something different. But anyway, at the end of their pre-marriage counseling, I said, my last question to you is, how come you guys are like this? Like, I didn't lead them. I didn't know if it was their parents. It could have been a coach. It could have been a pastor. I didn't know. But I just said, what, what makes you guys like this? You love God so much. Like, tell me about it. And I asked him first, and he said, he thought about it a couple minutes. Really, it was like a couple minutes. It was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And he was forming his answer, and he said, without a doubt, it was my mom and dad. I was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Tell me a little bit more about that. What did they do specifically? And he said, there was three of us in the family, and he said, no matter what each one of us was doing, they were each involved with different things. One was sports, one was art. He said, my dad had a way of getting into our world and talking about God while he was doing our sport. You know, while he was out there throwing the ball, He'd talk about God, and he would talk about character and all those really great things. And I, I think I want to just mention, not that anything's wrong with sports, not at all. That right. wasn't our point. I hope nobody heard that, but in case you did. And so he just learned how to take things like athletics, some other activity, and he engaged with his family and uh, just created that secure connection out of what they were doing. So I just thought that was, that was super cool. Good. Thanks for reminding me that I had a story. <sighs> The, uh, the next form of encouragement that we want to talk about is, uh, is recognizing accomplishment. So I spent 17 years in the employee recognition business, and so I've had a little bit of experience with this. And, you know, one of the things that I heard a lot in that, uh, during that experience is hearing people say, well, I don't need recognition. You know, just, just pay me more. You know, that's... That's fine. Recognition comes in the paycheck, right? And, but actually, that's not true. God instilled in us a desire to, uh, to receive praise. 
And um, in, in Matthew, in fact, it says, he says, well done and good and faithful servant. So this is that time, you know, in heaven where we're going to stand before our creator and all of our bad stuff is going to go away. And he's going to look at our everything good in our lives that we did. And he is going to say, well done. And that's going to be a really sweet time. I really look forward to that time. Yeah, I mean, that's just another area, you know, and again, we're up here because we're talking about family dynamics, so it's not mm -hmm. that we're going to be hard on anybody. We're just giving you some great, you know, encouragement here today. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, you think about that, well done, good and faithful. Wow, I mean, how important that is. I mean, I don't know anybody, any Christian I've ever talked to that just doesn't say, gosh, I hope I hear well done, good and faithful. And so it's another area that I do see a difference between, or I don't see a difference between, you know, the world and the church is that we're, we're telling our kids well done for things like sports, like instead of saying things like, and again, I don't know why I keep picking on sports, but things that are maybe not as significant, um, but even if it was sports, so if I'm out there, you know, playing a game and I've done a really good job, a parent being able to say, man, that was awesome, like, I, you know, what you did, and you got that point, and this is wonderful. But I think what is desperately needed in our culture today, and I cannot stress it enough, it is desperately needed because we are, if we didn't come from this, we're not giving it our kids, they're not going to give it to their kids. And the thing that is so desperately important is to have that emotional component. It's teaching kids how to feel and deal so that they can feel and deal healthy and share with their kids and their friends. So when I'm recognizing an accomplishment, it might look a little different, like I'm saying, you know, you did a great job. This was so exciting. We loved watching you. I'm wondering what that felt like, you know, and if they missed, you know, they missed the point or the shot or whatever, I'm wondering what that felt like. I have been amazed at how many people that are adults that come into me for marriage counseling that tell me stories about how the only thing that they knew that their parents cared about was their sport or their activity. And I just had a, just a couple days ago, I had this guy, he said, the only way I knew how to get my dad's attention was I was a runner. And he said, and I was the fastest runner. And he said, and if I got injured, I ran past the injury. And he said he went to a meet one day, and he said he, um, he had been dealing with, I think it was a hamstring pull or something. And he got there, and he couldn't run. He just couldn't do it. And he looked at his dad, and he said, Dad, I just I can't run today. And he said his dad just looked at him and you know, said something and turned away and left. And I said, Did, was there any, ever re, any kind of repair around that? And he goes, no. He was just so disappointed in me <laughs> that I didn't you know, have this accomplishment. So I think, uh, you know, just being aware of how important it is to acknowledge. I mean, we have Satan, who is the great accuser. Mm -hmm. He accuses us before each other. He accuses us before God. And I think kids today, teenagers today, desperately, desperately need their parents to engage, in them, engage with them on a level that says, how are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And also in marriages, you know, to be able to, you know, we want to praise the accomplishments. When John comes home and tells me how great work went and, you know, he started a new business a couple years ago, it is so exciting. But probably the more important times is being able to look at each other and say, how are you doing? 
How are you feeling about that? You know, whether it's good or bad, stay in that, that emotional engagement. It creates secure connection between all of us. I think one of the other areas where this is really, really important is between brothers and sisters, yeah. right? I mean, I think um, it's so easy to have, um, you know, kind of a, an adverse or a, I can't think of the word, but, you know, have a lot of conflict between brothers and sisters growing up. And, um, you know, how much better it would it be to have, you know, you guys focusing on how you build one another up, you're a team, you live together, you know, and um, making that relationship a positive relationship instead of a negative one. I think that's a great point. Just, you know, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I praise or encourage or notice whether it was my husband or my brother or sister? I think that's a great point, Sean. I'll just add that, okay? That's a great point. Think about that. <laughs> okay, move on. Oh. <laughs> and then finally... There we go. Communicating God's faithfulness. So this is where we have an opportunity to come alongside somebody who's, you know, who's hurting or who's, you know, had uh, something terrible happened with them or to them, like maybe the death of a loved one or losing a job or not getting that promotion or, um, you know, not making the team or having your girlfriend break up with you. Um, and so if Thessalonians says, encourage the faint-hearted, and we're asking Galatians to share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And this area is hard to do, and it's really easy to, you know, to get this wrong. Um, I think when we are trying to come alongside people, that it's easy to say the wrong thing, you know, and, and it's the, like, quote a scripture or something like that, which can feel to that person like kind of a trite answer. It's like, you know, I don't need advice. I just need you to give me empathy. You know, that's what we want when we're hurting is I don't need you to fix. You know, I love to fix. I, I spend my world uh, during the daytime, I mean, the way we operate is when there's a problem, you identify the problem, you get to the root cause, and then you put together a plan and you eradicate the problem. But that doesn't work in relationships. And it took me a really long time to, to learn that, not only with Krista, but with, um, with the, my kids and with friends and so forth. Um, it's just so easy. And, and, and you know, I see this in cell groups sometimes too, where somebody's really sharing something. And then, and then another person pops up and says, well, you know, it's not that bad. Or, you know, you're not that bad of a person. Or, you know, here's what, here's what you know, what I would do. And maybe you should try this. And it's not about that. It's really about just coming alongside and saying, wow, that really, that stinks. You know, yeah. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to our tendencies. And so when we think about the faint-hearted, Somebody is in distress, regardless of what it's over, somebody's in distress. And so we are called, regardless, to encourage that person. But for some, again, depending on our imprint, depending on our tendency, John is going to see somebody in emotional distress. And I would say there were years that he took stage left, you know, whether it was the kids or me, the tendency was, wow, that's a lot of emotion. I'm not sure what to do with that. I can't fix that. 
So I'll go out in the garage and I'll fix something or I'll build a deck or something I like that. I don't understand it. Right. And so almost, for some people, it can almost be an annoyance. Like, it's too much emotion. Like, get it together. There's an easy fix. A plus B. Go, you know. We got work to do. Right. Exactly. And so what it can leave people just feeling really, like, lonely and not you know, misunderstood. And then there's me. And so because I had an anxious core about me, if somebody was in distress and there was a lot of emotion in my family, um, my tendency was kind of like what you were saying in the cell group, I'm going to minimize it. I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, no, no big deal. We got this figured out. Oh, here, you know, And I'm so busy trying to minimize the issue to solve my own anxiousness, mm -hmm. which also is not a good way to help somebody feel cared for and loved. And, and quite frankly, there are other people out there that can see people in distress and emotionally burdened, and it can create an anger, you know, just mm -hmm. an anger. And so I think understanding and really, you know, my greatest hope for everybody here um, is just to take the time to reflect, what do I do when my kids are in distress or my wife is in distress? What are my tendencies? Wow, okay, this isn't just something I can go, well, you know, my tendency is just to go, you know, build something. I'm, I'm you know, I'm an avoider type and, mm -hmm. you know, we have, if we're going to look different, if we're going to take being a Christian serious, if we're going to take being a child of the King seriously, we have to take this seriously and be, um, I guess, humble enough to be able to say to our spouse or our children, God, I kind of stick at this. You know, I'm, I'm wondering what I could do different and, and ask people for help because it is critical. 101 times in the Bible, it is critical that we learn this. Yeah. Good. So now we're going uh, to take some time to talk about, you know, what are the ways then, what can we do to become an effective encourager? And uh, the... The, the, the first way, and we talked about all of the things that, you know, uh, the different forms of recognition and the good and the bad of each of those. So um, really, the, in order for us to be effective in encouragement, we need to receive God's encouragement first. And that's really the first step. No doubt. And like we talked about two weeks ago, which we talk about all the time here, is we have to understand our identity first. If I don't know who I am in Christ, if I don't go to the well for nourishment and get my own self filled up, honestly, I don't think we can be encouragers. I think we can be flatterers. Um, I think that from the heart type of encouragement, um, it's hard to do. I mean, it's not to say you can't encourage somebody if you're not going to Jesus, but it is so critical, I think, to receive it first. It's so critical that I'm spending time with him um, in prayer, in the word. I think about how many times I knew to encourage anybody from John to my kids to a friend. It came in my time with God. It came in my time that I was reading the word and something stood out, and I thought, well, that, that reminds me of my friend. Like, I'm wow, and as I'm praying and as I'm talking to God and as I'm receiving his nourishment, you know, there was just this prompting more and more, like, you need to call this person, you need to tell John this, or talk to the kids about this. It's been remarkable how much that's been my guide in life, because I think if we just go, okay, I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going out there, and I'm going to just, I'm going to be a great encourager. I don't know. I don't think it works out so well. I just think it works out when I'm being filled and receiving it first from God, because he is such a great guide. I just think he leads us into all those things in a way that it's for him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, and I think we get promptings too, and it's important to listen to those promptings from the Holy Spirit. And I, a lot of times I think, well, I'm kind of busy right now. I've got, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and you know, I'll call that person on the way home. And then I totally forget. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next then uh, method is trusting God to encourage us in his way and in his time. You know, we may have relationships where we don't get the encouragement that we truly desire. You know, we feel like maybe we're working hard around the house and, you know, our, our husband or wife doesn't see it or our kids, you know, don't understand how much sacrifice that we go through and, and, and it makes us feel unappreciated or, or angry, you know, and it's, and one of the things that's happened to me uh, several times is, you know, I can feel this way. It's like, you know, my kids even have any idea that I'm here, you know, and then you get that Father's Day card and, you know, brings you to tears. So we can't demand it. So what do we do? Right. I mean, we definitely can't demand it. Although, you know, I think that's something we need to think about. Also, am I somebody who I will do the dishes or I will do whatever? If, mm -hmm. As long as I'm getting that encouragement, as long as somebody's acknowledging me and doing that for me, um, I think it's easy to get into that rut. I see that again in my practice all the time. It's a tit for tat. You know, it's like, I'll do this as long as you do that. Um, if I, how many times I think how badly I needed encouragement. And one of the greatest lessons I learned as a Christian growing up was this. You can't demand it and you can't depend on it. Mm -hmm. And often I looked for it, like I would. What I was out serving or doing something, and I'm just kind of looking around, wanting to see if anybody's noticed what I'm doing. And when people didn't notice what I was doing, it was like, well, that kind of stinks, you know. I'm, I just kind of burst in my bubble, and I thought, well, that's really weird. Like, why would I care? Why do I need that? But I did, I did, because this anxious attachment here, I needed people to tell me I was good and I was doing a good job. And I think what happened for years of my life is that God withheld it. I mean, I didn't get it, and it was almost like I was dying for it. But through that course of time, through that time, I felt like what God was showing me was, you're not getting it. Like, who are you doing this for? Are you doing it for me, or are you doing it for the praise of man? Yeah. Praise of man. Okay, that's not good. And so I think as I started trusting that he would give me the encouragement I needed, when I needed it, where I needed it, as my hope and my hope and faith in my heart was turned more toward him, I'd get a little encouragement. It was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. But the difference was this. I didn't feel like it came from my girlfriend or my husband. I really felt like it was God saying, I see you. Now I'm going to encourage you because you're turning to me for the encouragement. You're not demanding it or expecting it from others. Because like I was saying earlier, I think sometimes if I am expecting it, or maybe I didn't say it earlier, I'll say it now. If I am expecting it um, from people and I don't get it, if I'm looking for John to tell me what a great job I'm doing, you know, what a great house cleaner I am and everything, and I don't get it, I could have a tendency to be mad. And I'm looking to him to tell me I'm okay. And that's not right. And so I don't think it's right for any of us. And so I think for kids as well, well, I think parents have to be exceptional encouragers and very aware of this. But I think the same thing with kids. I think it's, as Christian children and teenagers, I think we have to be um, gracious enough toward my our parents that sometimes they forget, sometimes they're busy, um, and sometimes it's okay to ask for it. 
so I would say anyway, the point being, you know, the, the main thing was that sometimes we're not getting it for a reason and it may be something we need to ask God about. That's powerful. Good. And then finally, we need to listen. Effective encouragers are really good listeners. And um, effective listeners ask other people about themselves rather than talking about themselves. And we all know this kind of person. Maybe we are this kind of person. Um, but Philippians says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And so it's asking questions like, how are you doing, rather than what are you doing? It's asking questions like, wow, that's an interesting, I mean, that's a tough situation. How do you feel about that? You know, not what do you think, but, but how do you feel? Um, asking really meaningful questions. And then here's the big one. Resisting the urge to relate it back to ourselves, especially in cell group. You know, when somebody's talking about something, you know, you, you, you have this this urge to say, oh, yeah, dude, that happens. Let me tell you what happened to me. Yeah, and, and you just take that away from the other person. You take that comfort away from them of just wanting to be heard and understand. And so they don't care at that point anyway about how their story relates to your story. It's they just want to tell their story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is just... We all have been there, you know, like, I just, I want to be heard and seen and listened to, and, like, I've got the audience, and then it's like, oh, I don't have the audience, <laughs> you know, and so um, I love that. I think that's an excellent point, and so, um, so people that have done, these smart people that have done years and years of research have come up with these three areas that through all the research they believe it's kind of sifted down to three different areas that if I can do this in my relationships with my children, my relationships with my spouse, and my relationships with my friends, I'm going to have a pretty healthy, secure attachment. And these three areas are, am I accessible, am I responsive, and am I engaged? And I think this is just such an incredible research that's been done. They have assessments that I'm going to. Um, make I'm going to see. Yeah, I'm going to see if we can make that available. Also on the listening, um, just to be able to. Some people don't know how to listen, but to be able to give you some instruction on how to listening, how to listen, and also to take this assessment to find out what am I like? Am I am I this way toward my brother and sister? Am I accessible? So we'll start with accessible. So accessible. <sighs> accessible. <laughs> this is the main thing that I hear in my practice from my kids and from my parents and from my spouses. And I'm sure John would say the same thing and I could about him many times. Am I accessible? When I need to get my parents' attention, my friends' attention, my spouse's attention, how easy is it? We have all this technology that's awesome awesome technology, but what I think has happened <laughs> is it has just taken over to the point that, um, I wish I had my phone up here with me, accessible is not with a phone in front of me, accessible is not with a computer in front of me. How many times I hear, oh my gosh, I, I'm trying to connect with my wife or my husband, but I can't get him away from his phone, and our kids, you kids, you teenagers. <laughs> 
put your phones down for us parents, please. We can't connect with you. You know, how many times I've just wanted to just look you eyeball to eyeball with my kids. And it's just, it's okay to put our phones down. So accessible. If, or texting. You know, if I'm trying to reach somebody, I text my friend or my spouse or my children, and somebody doesn't respond to me. Like, what that feels like to think, gosh, these people aren't accessible to me when I need them. And it doesn't mean I need to drop everything at the drop of a hat all the time, but I just want us to leave here today thinking about this. Am I accessible when my spouse or my children need me? Do I put everything down, and do I take the time to make sure that they know that they're important? Well, and we have a saying in our house, and we say, pay attention to me. Yeah. And, like, we really do that. And It's, it's okay. So, <laughs> yeah. And it started with my daughter. Well, it started with my daughter. She would take my chin, and she'd say, pay attention to me. Like, how pathetic is that, that this is what my poor daughter had to do when she was, like, five? You know, pay attention to me. And that's kind of stayed with our family, and we do it. We, we, we do, do it with each yeah. other. It's just pay attention to me. It's an easier way than saying I'm being really needy right now. I need, you know, just say pay attention to me. And it immediately, phones go down, computer goes down, whatever. It's really awesome. So the next one is responsive. Okay, so when you think of somebody being responsive to you, you know, just imagining those conversations with your spouse, with your children, or with your friends, and you're like, okay, are they listening to me? You know, there's one thing I can put my phone down but am I looking at you and I'm thinking about a hundred different things? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, right, like, yeah. just like that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, am I, am I asking you questions? Am I, like, am I validating and am I empathizing? Am I like, oh, wow, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Am I like that? Am I responsive to the conversation? Am I emotionally attuned to who's sitting in front of me? And then engaged is the last one. And the engaged is more um, physical. You know, we think of the scripture with Jesus. He says, bring the children to me. And I didn't even notice this, you know, for the first hundred times I read it. But he said, bring the children to me so that I can touch them and bless them. And I just thought that was so interesting when it was actually brought to my attention. And so it's that, it's that you know, it's this. It's, oh, my gosh, you're kidding. That's awesome. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, Oh, you are awesome. <laughs> you know, it's being able to look at somebody and physically be in their presence. Um, there's just nothing worse than when somebody's turned away from you and you're trying to have a conversation and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah. third thing. So it's accessible, responsive, and engaged. I was yes. listening. Okay, good job. And so there were studies that said basically if you do this, this is an interesting one, and you might need to Google it and double check it because it seems hard to believe. But if I can do that to my children, probably not to spouses, to my children, 30% of the time, if I can be accessible, responsive, and engaged, 30% of the time, I will grow, I, my children will grow up to be healthy connectors and securely attached. So I thought that was interesting. Awesome. Yep. So that is encouragement. And uh, I want want to wrap up with uh, one of our favorite scriptures. And it says uh, in Galatians, Paul wrote, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So persevere. Amen. Amen. So will you pray with us? Father God, we just, we thank you for... um, 
for all of these principles, but we just so grateful, God, that you, um, that you have a heart that wants to encourage us and wants us to, to know and wants to teach us how to encourage one another also, that this is one of your principles. It's such a powerful, um, uh, powerful dynamic, Lord, and it's, it's something that you've instilled in us as humans. And I just pray that we uh, would go through this next week and um, really take the time to consider how we motivate and stimulate one another. And uh, you say the result of that is love and 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 good works, good deeds. And um, so it, it's just amazing to me how powerful that is, God, and how not only you uh, you can have that impact on us, but then you use us then as your mouthpiece to have that impact on each other. And so don't let us forget that. And um, we thank you that we can receive uh, the praise and the encouragement and the comfort uh, and instruction, Lord, um, and the, the coming alongside uh, from you that we so desperately need. And so we thank you, and we lift all these prayers up in your son Jesus' name. Amen.